Welcome to Sea Time, everybody, the off-road show that brings you all the results, news, and online shenanigans that make being online a good time. We'd like to say thank you to Fly Racing for their support of Sea Time. Please go check them out at flyracing.com. Welcome to Sea Time, everybody. Brian Pierce here. Just hanging out on a regular old Tuesday night, getting ready to go live with Seat Time. Oh, wait. We are going live. Thank you very much for tuning in. So for those who do not know, I am Brian Pierce, your host for this evening. And your my co-host, or our co-host, your co-host, <laughs> is Miss Jordan Bailey. Jordan Bailey, how have you been doing? I've been doing good. It's been a busy start to the week, but it's been good. That's no good for anybody. Um in the sense that I think you just started school back, right? I did. Today was the first day. Ugh. It was delightful. It's 8 a.m. class. A what? 8 a.m. Nobody likes that. You know what's funny, though, is I say, no, nobody likes that. I've been waking up at 4.50. Yeah, so it's like in the morning. not even real life yet where I, I got like, a job oh. and I have to be up even earlier. It's so crazy when you start <laughs> realizing that you have like a Coke. And you get fat, and then you're like, well, there it goes. i got to drink water and work out, or I'm going to have a huge ass and a stomach. <laughs> we were talking about that earlier, how like we were just like all of a sudden like, when did we have to start watching what we ate? I'm only 22, but I'm like, I don't I'm, I don't burn stuff like I used to. Yeah, it's the second you stop riding every yes. other day, and stop racing for three hours. And you get old. Yeah, I wouldn't call it old. This is different shit in life. I guess so. Life just does things different. It's gay. Um, so thank you to those of you that are tuning in. If you're live, we definitely appreciate you being live. If you're watching one of the archives, thank you very much for doing that. And, of course, if you happen to just be listening, congratulations. You know how to work a podcast. Woo-hoo. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. If they're listening, they didn't see it. Yes. <laughs> we are. Yeah, you can't see it, but thumbs up. Uh, so we are Seat Time. We are the online show for the off-road enthusiasts. We try to be the beer-drinking, bench-racing show, and right now I'm having a cider because that was in the fridge. Miss Jordan Bailey. Uh, maybe it's uh, Miss Cooper Bailey. I don't know. I don't know. What's... You're, you're not Mr. Jordan Bailey. No, I'm Mrs. Yep, that's the way it works. But I'm my own, um, own person. Well, we just like to have fun, talk about all the shenanigans that go on in the off-road world, and see what's been going on. So, uh, of course, thank you very much. Seat Time is presented to you by Fly Racing. They are our title sponsor this year for 2015, and we couldn't be more excited for to have them still on board and at, at even a larger uh, support level, if you will. I don't really know... The right, there's got to be some kind of marketing term for that, but you know, whatever. I'm not a marketing major. Yeah, the, <laughs> the biggest thing is that Fly Racing not only makes great products, but you got to remember that they support off road to a very, very high level. Um, if you happen to support off road as well, then it definitely makes sense that you should support off road. So you can go to off road, uh, support Fly Racing. So you can go to flyracing.com or go to your local dealership and check out some of the Fly Racing products there. The Carbon F2 helmets. Solid, solid helmets, and you should check those out as well. Of course, Stillwell Performance, uh, they do some fantastic work on a lot of suspension. Uh, biggest thing is kind of, excuse me, they got them a lot of notoriety. Obviously, the work that Alan Stillwell has done with Cody Webb uh, in the past on his, his Beta 300, and then the work they've done on some of the KTM 4CS forks. So, if any of that intrigues you or you just happen to have a lot of questions about suspension, you should go check out Stillwell Performance at stillwellperformance.com. And then Fast Company, so Flex Bars. Flex Bars, they make a ride longer, harder, faster, and then again, longer. I think two longers because you can yeah. really ride a lot longer when it <laughs> comes fair. to using those kinds of bars. So definitely support them for their, uh, thank them for their support. I just feel like I'm a little frazzled right now. Well, you smell burning? I do. <laughs> 
Well, we're in the office and live, so we'll just see what happens this evening because I have absolutely no idea. So it's funny because we're trying to get uh, Jason Wygant uh, here on the show if uh, if that happens. Apparently, he's having some Skype issues. You know, we might be having Skype issues. Who knows what's going on? So the big thing, uh, you have not been riding any. Uh, not since that enduro. So have you, do you I'd... feel better, though? Do you feel like you've actually... What do you mean by feel better? Like, do you feel like you're <laughs> re- rehabbed from... Oh, yes. I from can walk. the enduro. It took a couple weeks, but I can walk again. I feel lazy. Because, like, you know after you work out and you're sore and you feel like you actually did something with your life? I haven't felt that since that race, so... I do. That's actually, unfortunately, these days, a daily occurrence. Well, see, like, that's probably good. Can you tell? I'm not gonna do that again. Like, check it out, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. It looks so amazing. Crossfitting. So, uh, we just had the, the, the car wrap up today, actually, with Mark Coma getting his fifth the car win. Uh, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, that's actually really gnarly. I know. And then, uh, rookie of the year, Toby the Price, Price coming in third. Uh, Leia Sands in the top ten. Uh, she actually was in ninth and lost uh, that placement, I think, today. It sounds like they had to end the stage early, though, because things were a little crazy. Yeah, it was like pouring down rain for a long time. I don't know. It looked nasty. Ugh, I wish. I wish I'd have just been able to finish the uh, the Baja Rally when I went to it, because that would have been, I would have been like, oh, yeah, that's cool. They finished the car. Well, I finished the Baja Rally. And unfortunately, <sighs> that's not the way that it worked. <laughs> Crickets. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, man. So- uh, somebody said, "Hey, what are you sipping on over there from the chat room?" It's actually it was in the in the fridge. Uh, we bought these for my wife this past weekend. It's the Reds. It's the strawberry ale, though, so they still make it with you know strawberry. the the cider style, but they add the strawberry to it just for some extra flavoring. See how that goes. Signing in via Facebook, and that didn't work either. <laughs> so that's the that's what's going on with Jason Wygant. So I'm trying to think the last. I'm not a huge fan of a lot of the ciders that are coming out now because I get it, you know, that with the whole gluten-free thing, a handful of, you know, a couple of years ago when that started to get really popular, it's like, ooh, ciders, and then Angry Orchard blew up. And then with Angry Orchard blowing up, like, people were like, ooh, everybody wants a really nice sweet cider, and that is so far from the truth. Like, I can only have, like, three of those things before like, I feel like I'm sucking on a sugar cube, and things are just like... <laughs> so it's... Not good. No. That's why traditional dry ciders are better. And apparently, the sweeter ciders are made with a different type of apple than your traditional dry cider. I think they're actually, like, traditional dry cider is made from more of, like, a like a cider apple. Okay. And, and then now they're using, like, Granny Smith. Yeah, they're using a lot, a lot, <laughs> yeah, those old lady apples. <laughs> Dang it. So, I, I don't know. Yeah, it'd be a lot, it'd be a lot nicer if they could get that figured get out. Get it but figured hey. out, cider companies. Yes. Stop it with the sweets. Uh, we've seen a lot of cool videos coming up and about. So we've got Josh Strang on his Husky practicing. So Digital Off Road did a lot of video, uh, you know, videoing there. We saw the Grant, the Baylor brothers mm-hmm. racing at a local race. So Grant and Stewart Baylor. Um, it was interesting because the the video that we saw was you know GoPro kind of helmet footage. And it was of a third person, a third party to Grant and Steve. You know, they were just a rider that got passed. And when Grant went by, it was like ridiculously fast. Redonk. I mean, he just like, and he, that, that freaking 450 sounded awesome when he went by on that thing. I, I'd love, I think he'd be a really good uh, uh, call to have to check in, kind of like, 
How's yeah. that 450 working? Is it going good? Yeah, what's in it like off-road? to switch? Yeah, all that stuff. Hey, is that Weege? Yeah. We can hear you. We can't see you, though. Yeah, it's an excellent. Oh, he just called his, his mobile? Okay, that's cool. I like his voice, too, though. Someone's got a crush. So what's going on, Weege? I don't know. It just says Skype can't connect. I mean, I don't know what else. It's just mind-boggling. I, I mean, honestly, like I said, the last time I used it was the last time I was on your show, so it's a while ago. But That's okay. I mean, well, the just... thing is, is we've got your mind coming through your voice. Like, you're actually able to educate the thoughts out of your mouth, and that's the real... I mean, sure, the magic would really happen if we saw it happen, but we'll take it if it's all just audio at this point, right? I guess so. I can give you a... You want me to give you a landline that might sound a little better? What do you think, Steven? Sounds good to us. He says roll with it. I don't understand. I've reset my password three times. I don't I don't know what else to do. I tried to find Facebook. No matter what it does, it just gives me exclamation point. Exclamation point. These guys can't connect. They're no super excited. That's okay. It's, just, it's not supposed work? to happen. Dude, if I was a technologist, this show would be a lot better. Okay. <laughs> so, it just won't let me sign in like, no matter what I do. Oh, man. Well, unfortunately, you didn't call a tech line. You yeah. you definitely called the wrong number if you're looking for tech help. Now, Steven, Steven's actually pretty good at that kind of stuff, but at this point, who knows what's going on. I'm just trying to get through my cider and pretend to talk about dirt bikes. No, no time to troubleshoot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Steven's told us to shut up and talk about the show. So, Weege... It was awesome to hear you last week on Paul Plum X. You did a fantastic job of kind of holding down with Mathis, especially there. You were there for the whole, like, five hours, which was pretty intense. So how was that, being there back in the studio doing that show? Yeah, there's so many segments and so many parts of that and so many recurring characters and, and insider things. I couldn't believe he actually said that if you look on iTunes, the world record longest podcast, it's all his show. No one does five and a half hour shows except him. And, I have a question. Do they like take like a snack I was like, dude, we need break? to get, we're in Vegas. You could probably get Guinness people over here to verify this for world record real quick. And man, then we did the same exact thing. And I was like, that just flew by. So something about it when you're talking dirt bikes, right? Yeah. And granted, we don't ever go that long, but there, there have been times where it's somehow, and it won't be tonight, it's worked its way into over two hours. And we're like, what in the heck happened? Like, how does time just disappear? But, yeah, it's the same thing. You kind of just get into that flow and start talking about stuff, and all of a sudden you're like, well, I had to pee, but I just held it. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's the advantage of doing this over the phone, though. That's we'll true. Oh, <laughs> that's we're, true. We're like, why is his breath picking what up? What is that sound? Gee, <laughs> Jordan, does he sound like your husband when he pees? <laughs> <laughs> we could have a whole different kind of show. We could, we could. It could be fun. So, Weege, I like having you on the show. It unfortunately doesn't happen very often, like twice a year, if you will. But you have such a great I, love for the off-road side of things. And I know that you enjoy talking about some of the off-road side of the, the sport, if you will. But you just don't get a chance to kind of get in there and, and divulge all the information that's in your brainium. We've had a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of changes. And I think in the fact that not just riders kind of on different bikes, but a lot of riders switching onto different teams. Teams that at that point seeming to switch bikes that they're going to be supported under. Uh, some teams just seeming to disappear. So in all of the kind of news that's happened, is there any kind of like highlight for you that just kind of like, wow, I can't believe that this is happening going into 2015 kind of in the off-road side of things? 
Well, the biggest thing, and this isn't uh, brand new. I think everybody knew it was coming for a year or two now, but it is sad that it's gotten to the point where KTM has dominated so much that they virtually had to create another brand and team to compete with themselves so yep. they have someone to compete with. Uh, that's where we're at with Husqvarna. Yeah. They didn't create another brand, I shouldn't say that, but they essentially purchased the brand to create competition for themselves. Um Somebody else should have stepped up long before that. Yes. Yeah, well, I, I wonder, and, and you and I were talking earlier about this today, it's that, you know, I, I didn't ever, like, really hear anybody say, hey, that's what we're doing. But, you know, we, I've, you know, having talked to you and other people, that there's a good chance KTM has even said that that's one of the reasons that they did it. But I wonder how far back that went. Was it just kind of like, hey, we have a chance to buy Husky. Ooh, if we buy them, we'll have competition. Or do you think that, there, it, it, I mean, where was the real... Or was it just to keep the brand alive, and then they kind of decided, okay, cool, let's also make an off-road team that we can compete against? Yeah, I think it definitely started as a pure business move. The Husky was actually bought not by uh, KTM per se. It was actually bought by the guy that owns KTM. Right. Sense. Yeah, that, um, it was like bought by his motorsports company, right? Or something. Right, and yeah. I don't know the, the, the full ramifications, but I think the basics are, you know, he, he runs KTM, he operates KTM. There's obviously for KTM, there's a board of directors and other management and things like that. The Husky thing was much more of him individually making that uh, decision. But apparently, uh, he had in mind, I guess, a whole plan of when I buy this myself, how I'm going to make this work. And uh, I think a lot of it actually stems from their dominance in Europe. Uh, specifically, world motocross is just ridiculous. Okay. I mean, essentially, no one, virtually no one even wins races. Uh, let alone the championships, they just dominate. So I think right there was the first, well, no one's really stepping up to the plate to challenge us, so uh, we could maybe get this Husky thing that we have now, give them factory teams, and at least we're beating them, or at least they're beating us. So it looks like they're beating somebody. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I think it's very similar in American Off-Road. It's, maybe American Off-Road isn't quite as high profile as the, the World Motocross Championship, but I think it's a very similar plan. Um, but it's kind of good, though, because... I mean, KTM didn't have a reason to have five factory riders in every series, right? Yep. But now they can employ that many between two brands. So there definitely are some winners out there for sure. Yeah, I think somebody like Josh Strang is is that is that winner that you're referring to, you know, back from his championship in 2010, kind of had some, some lull years there, um, a little bit of injury, a little bit of bad luck, and then kind of trying to regroup and kind of find that flow that he had back in the day. And now he's found himself not only on a full factory team within Husqvarna, but he's also kind of on the brand that he grew up with. So I really think that that's going to be a huge move for someone like Josh Strang, who we could see when he was on the, the factory Suzuki, how well he worked under that factory tent. And I, I think that we're going to see a lot of the same thing, you know, when he's under the Husqvarna tent. So that's going to be a cool, cool thing to see with him. Yeah, I think that's, you could argue that's the biggest move of the offseason for GNCC, but um, it's going to be interesting how that works because Strang had one year on a KTM support team when <clears throat> he raced the work series. Yep, RPM About team, three right? years ago now. Yeah, RPM. It didn't go well. And he said for whatever reason he just didn't adapt to the <clears throat> to the European bikes like he hoped he would. Um, you know, he'd ridden Suzuki for a while, then when he came back to form his own team after the KTM thing, he got a Cowie, then last year he rode a Yamaha, so he really seemed to, for whatever reason, prefer the Japanese bikes. Now, that's three years ago he was on a KTM, so this Husqvarna is going to be pretty different. Yep. Uh, but we'll see if it's different enough or whatever issues he had then um, 
they can change. I mean, for the Husky brand, it's big. I mean, they're instant contenders to win races and get on the podium or maybe even win the title. So that's definitely legit on their side. But we'll have to see how well it how well it works out. I don't think the Yamaha team he was on, they weren't exactly slouches either. So, um, But I think you could, again, argue that's the biggest move in the offseason for uh, GNCC at least. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting because ha- we, we had Strang on kind of right after that KTM deal wrapped up and he started, he was going to move back to the East Coast and, and start racing again on the Kawasaki kind of with that, that privateer team that he started and I think one of the one things that he said he had a lot of issues with was the support in the fact of testing, um, especially on the KTM. It was such a quick move for him, and, and the, the, just the, the size of the team and kind of the series that he was racing in, he didn't actually have a lot of capabilities to test and retest and really kind of grow with a team and with a bike and, and, a, and a manager to that sense. So I'm wondering if – I'm hoping – you know that we're gonna maybe this European bike in the in the sense of a, the Husky, which really is a KTM from last year. But as you mentioned, those have changed so much that we're gonna be able to see him test a lot more and and gel with the bike better. Yeah, there's gonna be no doubt he's gonna get uh, first rate support. And I even happened to run into the the head man for KTM here in the United States, uh, John Eric Burleson. I saw him at Anaheim one, and he said, "And the goal." The goal was to just sweep the podium, you know, with whatever combination of those brands they could get. If there's two KTMs or two Huskies and one KTM or whoever they want to do it. I and mean, it's definitely uh, doable. you got Andrew DeLong, too, who's obviously already good on that bike. You'll have Mullins and Russell on the KTMs. Um, and, you know, those guys are going to be racing. A lot of them will be racing uh, National Enduro, too. So you got to think they're going to be putting a lot of bikes on the podium. And, again, they wouldn't have wanted to do that. They wouldn't have wanted to have four KTMs out there. Now they get two and two. Yep. Um, Hey, it's it's giving people employment. They are job creators. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, when was the last? Now this is this is kind of a growth apart. What we were just talking about. When was the last time that you either a saw this much money coming into off road, or b the implement, implication that there's money being brought into off road? Because I, I feel like we're looking at it going, oh, look, there's the start of this new team. It seems like Yamaha's, you know, spending a little bit more money. Um, we're seeing, you know, kind of where Beta's putting a little bit more money. Now, is that just the way that it looks, or are we actually starting to kind of see that legitimately? And I figure you're a little bit more of an industry insider than we are, so. <laughs> just a little. Well, you know, you don't even need to be much of an insider. I think it's pretty obvious that everything was, when the economy was really good, the money in off-road racing was really good. Then when it tanked, it tanked. And now that things are somewhat rebounding, I mean, the companies aren't selling nearly as much as they were um, in 2005, but they're selling more than they were in 2010. So I think it is coming back uh, in a way for sure. But I think one of the main things that's still missed is um, the Suzuki operation in off-road. was very professional, very high-end. And you could probably make the argument at that time that maybe, maybe the premier team. Uh, and they raced a variety of series, whichever one they chose to do. In the early 90s, they first started. I think Enduro was still the premier championship. That's what they were after. Uh, then they started doing uh, national hair scrambles. Then they saw GNCC was growing. They put their effort there. Then Works got on the map. They started doing both. Uh, whatever they wanted to chase, they seemed to be able to win. And that team is gone. And Strang was the last uh, real uh, star that they had there. So... And Suzuki obviously has had a variety of issues. It's not just the off-road side. I mean, their motocross program has had its troubles. Um, 
the car program, the car program. They don't even sell cars in the United States anymore. There's a million issues there. Yep. And the GNCC team is a very small part of it, but that's still a huge loss. I mean, they ran a very top-notch operation. You know, they flew their riders into the races, which teams weren't doing at that time. Most of the teams had just, you know, East Coast guys or West Coast guys for either series. They would just fly Rodney Smith in from wherever he lived and wherever the race was. No problem. We'll have a semi there or a mechanic there. It's very high end. So other teams have caught up. But that's a huge loss. It's good to see KTM and Husky uh, kind of reviving that. But I'll tell you, man, I was there every weekend when I was at the GMCC in the early 2000s. The amount of money that was being spent was ridiculous. I don't even know if they could justify it. It was unbelievable what they were paying. How many guys? You had a good dozen guys who were making a good living. Guys were finishing ninth and tenth every week and making a good living racing. That just seems impossible now, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, now, Jordan, you were on the Ampro team. You did some riding on the Yamahas, and mm-hmm. so we, we're talking a lot about Husky. And there's there's obviously still even more to talk about just uh, off the GNCC side of off road things. But we, we've seen who has been a KTM rider pretty much his entire life, and he was a KTM support rider up until he looked like he was going to be on a KTM 450, but he actually went blue. So Grant Baylor went to the Yamaha side of things. Now, being a Yamaha rider and knowing that team, you know, kind of what do you see? You know, do you kind of see any any reasoning there? Like maybe, you know, I don't money, all that other kind of stuff that's going to attract him there? Um, I mean... Besides, I mean, I think Yamaha bikes are great bikes and everything. I think all the brands are awesome bikes, so it's hard to say it's a bike over any other bike. Um, I think they have really tight ties with Randy Hawkins. Um, the team's run is like a family atmosphere, very uh, tight-knit. Um, I think even Stu kind of mentioned last time he was on that it's, I don't know if I would say lower key than KTM, but not as like high, I don't know. I don't know if I should say that because I've never been on KTM team, but it seems to be ran a little bit One more day. casually than KTM. KTM's very professional, so is Yamaha, but I don't know. I think the Baylors are real tight with the Hawkins, and that's just where they went. Yeah. It seems like an interesting move just because it seems so sudden. I think there were a lot of people talking behind the scenes that Grant was going to be on KTM. Yeah, I mean, it's looked that way. I mean, everybody would expect that, as that's what they've ran forever. Yeah, definitely. I don't think Stuart Baylor's been on any other kind of bike, so... You know, that's we're kind of trying to figure that out on our end. Again, being the industry insider, was there any kind of chatter about you know with the Grant Baylor move? I mean, it seemed like he was going to be going to KTM, but then obviously the quick switch to to Yamaha. I think people underestimate how badly Yamaha wants to succeed here. And uh, Randy Hawkins, I mean, he's aggressive every year. I feel like the guy gets spurned at the altar when he puts out a good offer. Um, he wants to beat KTM bad, or when Suzuki was a top team, he wanted to beat them badly. And sometimes they would. Uh, I think every year he tries to get uh, someone at this level, and this year it happened to finally work out whatever offer he had. He was able to, I think, trump what KTM was able to offer. But it definitely came in late. In fact, I didn't realize it was happening until KTM announced their team, and suspiciously they didn't name Grant. And I'm like... That's a typo? Did they forget? Is he on some alternate <laughs> team I'm not aware of? Like a, is there a support team? How come he's not there? And then I asked a few people, and they're like, no, just wait like a week, and he's going to be announced on Yamaha. And I couldn't believe that that was happening. Although, that's an excellent point. that He's a South Carolina guy. I know that he's close with the Yamaha group because that's where they're based out of. It's not like personally he doesn't know them, but like you said, he had been a KTM rider his whole life. You just assume that he's going to move up. Yeah, yeah. I know. Like our last year that we did the GNCCs, um, 
finishing up the season and stuff, there's a lot of talk about Strain going to the Ampro team, and then that's the year he ended up having his own team. And um, so, yeah, Randy Hawkins has been aggressive in wanting these top riders and guys. I think he's just maybe didn't have the funds until this year to actually outbeat KTM. Yeah, I wonder, you know, when Paul Wibley announced his retirement from racing in the States and racing GNCCs and was going back home, we actually wound up having him on the show that night. And it, it seemed very quick to us, but I can imagine that there was probably a lot of decision-making in the background. That's a big decision, mm-hmm. not, not just to, to decide to retire from GNCC racing, but also to head back to New Zealand. I mean, that's a lot of movement, a lot of money involved. So I wonder if maybe he was kind of going back and forth, not knowing what he was going to do. Fine, okay, cool, we're going to go. And all of a sudden, Randy's that's like, crap, money. <laughs> you know, I've got, now I'm going to have this budget. What do I do with it? And then maybe started attacking you know, trying to recruit yeah. Grant or maybe other riders. We really, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think at that point, Milner was already signed, though, to come over um, for 2015 as a, a XC1 rider. Or she could be an XC2. Did I get that? Do you know if he's going to be an XC2 rider or XC1, Milner? I think he's going to be XC1. Okay. I, I would assume. So he's all XC1 riders? Right? Yeah, because they're going to have Ashburn. Yeah, that's, so there's three yeah, XC1 three riders. riders. Yeah, because the, they do the, the off-road Viking range riding mm-hmm. team is kind of their X, XC2 class. Okay. XC2 guys. Yeah. So, which Ricky Russell says he's been loving that FX250. So, hey, actually, Weege, that's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> um, so as the, yeah, yeah, let's talk about that bike. On the, as the online editor for Racer X, do you choose the testers that are in the videos that you guys put out? Uh, no, I'm not in charge of the testing department. That's all uh, our guy David Pingree. He's a whole lot better at riding and uh, testing and sending out motorcycles than I am. Plus, oddly enough, uh, the way a lot of stuff works, they, the manufacturers pretty much don't let those bikes out of the state of California. So unless you live in California, you're never going to touch one. Um, you can come and fly into California and ride it for a day if you want. But uh, it's very strange how they how they run that operation. So, yeah, that's 100%. We know what's fun is there's going to be one of those in Texas uh, January, uh, February 13th for us. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. No, it's yeah. not. It's not really just for us. So, uh, Jason Reigns is that's he's starting his uh, his his uh, Yamaha tour, you know, and so we're like his second stop, I think. But he's going to be here for oh, okay. for the Supercross, and so the day of Supercross and the day after Supercross, they're going to have the Yamaha demos there at Trophy Club. And he offered, he asked us if we wanted to come out and test on that Friday on the thir- Friday the thirteenth. Dun dun Ooh, dun! Shoot, that sounds sketchy. <laughs> So, yeah, so we'll get a chance to test those. So that way, after the fact, then you can get Amy Hood to do a video making fun of us talking about testing the videos. <laughs> you make fun of you guys it, specifically? No, we no, made fun of her specifically. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't oh, making yeah, fun of her already, specifically. Apparently not on a motocross track ever in her life. <laughs> it wasn't at her. It was the fact that they selected a motocross yeah. rider to test an off-road specific bike. We thought that was a bit ridiculous. Yeah, I th- it was funny because it was, <laughs> she 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 definitely blew us up or blew me up, you know, <laughs> the seat time account, if you will, uh, in, in, in all the discussions. And I was just like, listen, Amy, I know you're a great rider. We get on a motocross track, you're going to just kick my ass. That's fine. But I was like, you specifically are like, I've never ridden off-road before. <laughs> and I immediately am like, like, I'm going to listen to anything you have to say about a bike that's made for off-road racing. That was... That was the contention right there. I was like, Austin White, if nothing else, should have edited that part out. 
So we didn't make yeah, any sense. I don't, uh, I don't disagree with that one. Uh, I, I think she was originally supposed to be part of our 250 motorcar shootout. And then I don't know, uh, it was very similar to timing and somehow, I don't know how it ended up happening. All I know is I thought she'd be in one video. She was in the other. Um, and it's really a shame. I think that it's almost lost on some people how important that bike is. It's not a shame that they had Amy riding it. I think in general, people just think, oh, Yamaha came out with a new off-road trail bike, whatever. I don't think people realize that. I For a Japanese manufacturer to come out with a closed-course-only off-road bike virtually doesn't ever, ever happen. So this is a huge shot that we've got to go after this KTM market. So uh, that's a pretty big deal, that bike. Oh, yeah, with I'm not going to lie, like, and I, I say the terms in bed with, like, there's just a lot of KTM dealers now that I've been riding KTMs for so long that I've helped out with a lot of different social stuff, website crap, all this kinds of everything, and so they give me decent discounts, you know, and it helps out a lot being, being you know, racing KTMs to get discounts on KTM parts and all that kinds of stuff. So now, though, that they've come out with this new Yamaha, I'm like, holy shit, I want one. Like, <laughs> I want one, and I'm like, but if I get one... Then I have to pay retail for every part until I have friends in the Yamaha side of things. And I was like, I can't do that just yet. I can't do that just I'll yet. I'll hook you up with some friends. Okay, good. But yeah, that bike is killer, man, because it is 110% a complete head-to-head with the 250 XC. With the, you know, the uh, obviously the, the XCF on the KTM side of things. And then the WR, yep. the WR, I don't know if it's a complete head-to-head with the XC. XCW, but I mean, at le- you could at least say that they're going to be ridden and raced uh, it, it, because they'll be raced, ridden and raced by the exact same, you know, demographic. Yeah, uh, maybe a little bit older. Maybe they don't want to bike the, bar- the barks as much. All that kinds of stuff. But man, the XC versus this new FX is going to be a bitchin' shootout that we're still trying to still trying yeah, to I put know. together with uh, Chris Kiefer. You know, unless Racer X wants us to do it for them. I, I don't mean, know. we're for hire. <laughs> Yeah, I'm curious myself. I, I have a 250 XEF is what I ride, so I'm very curious about this bike just like you guys are. Um, I think a 250 XEF is a great all-around bike. You can still take it on the motor track occasionally, but it's awesome in the woods. Uh, it's still, I think the, the big question is going to be, and you guys can maybe answer this when you ride it, um, I still feel like when it comes to off-road bikes, the Japanese brands have these internal standards of durability and noise and the suspension happened to be cushy enough and all these things that they, the bikes get watered down. Maybe it's 10% or 20%. Um, but it's enough where if you want to actually race them and really go to the limit of off-road racing, they don't work as well as the KTMs. That's always been the problem. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, people that want to race Japanese bikes, so what do they do? They start with the motocross bike, right? Yep. And then they turn it into an off-roader. KTM's mm-hmm. the only brand that truly does that. I mean, the only difference in the uh, XCF and the SXF is suspension uh, uh, tuning, essentially, which is what any woman would do with a motocross bike. The frame is the same. The motor is the same. Even this Yamaha frame is slightly different. The motor is slightly different. I think it's just cams and changeable stuff at the engine, but still, will it be uh, what everyone wants, which is, you know, a motocross bike that you can also ride pretty darn fast on the trails, or will it be a little bit watered down? That's the big question. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Even if we do don't get to actually like plan the shootout like we want to, and obviously, you know, we're we are nobodies. We are enthusiasts that happen to talk live on the internet, and that's really that's that's the the, the biggest part of it. But you know, we're kind of trying to work our resources to see if we can get it happen because I know 
that th- that was my first thought is I was like, it's two brand new 2015 bikes that could go, you know, pull them out of the crates essentially and put them up against each other. You know, what do I think is the best bike? Cause personally, I don't like riding a 450. I've ridden them. They're just too much for me. I'm a very, uh, timid rider. I can get a bike going and I can move fast, but I don't do it in an aggressive fashion. I'm, I'm technically smooth, if you will. Like I ride a 300 way better than I do a 250 on the two strokes. And so, I like 250s because of the fact that I can just rev them to the moon. So now that they've got these equal playing well, what we think is equal playing fields on this kind of off-road race 250 machines, I'm like just nipping at the bit to get those bikes head to head to see uh, which one I would, you know, literally walk walk away with my money and purchase. So it could be interesting. Yeah, that's the real question. Um, and there's not much you can do. I mean, you can look at the staff that the Yamaha's listed is pretty darn heavy. Uh, but you really don't know until you ride them. Um, yeah, because it's, it's more about how it feels, right? Ride. I mean, versus a dry weight. Right. But when it comes down, I've heard there's even little things like, for whatever reason, a Japanese friend say that if a bike is to be ridden on trails, uh, the internal durability standards have to go to this all another level. Um, like, I'm giving you, for instance, like, it has to be able to run without oil in the, in the crankcase for 20 minutes without blowing up. And weirdo things like that. Um, where they just kind of assume that the trail rider is going to be a little bit, is going to ride it longer. It's probably not going to be, um, tuning it to the nth degree. Whereas with their motocross bikes, they're like, oh yeah, they'll be changing oil and changing filters every single ride. We will, we will take no chances. But essentially that has always made their bikes a little bit slower, a little bit heavier than KTM who's saying, no, this is a race bike. This is not a bike to just leave in your garage and ride for fun whenever you feel like it. This is a bike to be raced and it's to be raced in the woods. So we'll see if Yamaha truly have done that uh, or not. And it's a race bike with an electric start. Yes. I think that... Oh, so good. Yeah, does, does that mean that we're about to see, like, the YZ250F pop up with an electric start? Or do you think they're so concerned uh, no, about no, weight they wouldn't do it? I, yeah, I don't think so. Uh, KTM, I don't know how they've been able to figure this out. And if you've seen the, the bikes they're racing in Supercross this year, which I think we all know a year or maximum two years from now, these are going to be the off-road bikes too. Yeah. Um, they're, they're 450 and the 250S that they have, the factory edition ones. They also race in Supercross. They're now the latest bikes of all with electric start. Yeah. Included. I don't know how they figured that out. So I don't think anyone is going to be strapping electric start on. They've already got catching up to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, we were talking about Husqvarna kind of taking over, if, well, I would say taking over, but really kind of coming to the plate to be KTM's biggest, you know, rival, if you will, in off-road, and specifically kind of for the National Enduros and for GNCCs, and I think we're going to start to see that, too, with Enduro Cross, because now we've got uh, Cody Webb is going to be on KTM, which is interesting, but he's on the RPM team, great dude, that's awesome for him, looking forward to see how that works out, but what interests me is the fact that Colton Haker is now back on a Euro brand on Husqvarna as a factory support rider. So that was really interesting the way that it was worded and the way it kind of came about that he's a rock star athlete, factory supported Husqvarna, and he's in all the photo shoots that they released, but he's still wearing his fly gear. Yeah, he's not you know, considered so Husqvarna. It's, it's, it's really interesting. Now, you have to ask that. Do you know kind of any specifics behind that deal and kind of why it might be worded the way it was worded or if it's just looking into it too much or anything that went on there? Uh, well, first of all, I can tell you a little bit about um, Cody Webb's deal. I think that 
I think eventually they want him to be the um, the poster guy for uh, Husqvarna. I think with uh, Webb, oh, but okay. that team's spot was kind of already filled by Mike Brown. So what I've heard is they put him on RPM somewhat as a as a placeholder, and then depending on how things go for Brown in the future, if Brown wants to keep racing, maybe Webb just stays KTM. If Brown wants to move on to race part time, and then the full focus goes to Webb, he could be. Um, so I think that's why the RPM thing seems really strange at first, right? Like it's a good team, but it's not the full factory team, and he's the champ. How could this be? Yeah. But um, the deal was done before he was champ anyway. I think the deal was actually done a long time ago, first of all. And second of all, like I said, it's like an in-between round. We don't know what, what brand he's going to be on yet, so we'll just put him on a KTM for now. The, the Haker thing, I think that actually started so much as um, – for whatever reason, Honda's interest is just moving on. Like, Honda never touched anything except Baja forever, right? Like, that was the yeah. only thing they were... Yeah. Then they started doing Endurocross also, and then now it's complete about base. They're done with Baja completely. And now I think they're done with Endurocross, and they're just going to GKN16. So, Haker, who has a lot of good personal sponsors with Rockstar and, and Lucas, uh, um, it was probably a natural fit, because Husky, as you guys have seen, has gone with Rockstar and everything. Yeah. Motocross mm-hmm. and all. And Haker brings a lot to the table, like I said, with his own sponsors, and he's got a good personality, pretty well known. So I guess it was overall uh, a fit that they just couldn't deny. So in the end, he ended up on Husky, and now it's supposed to be Webb. So maybe they'll both be there in two years. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be too strong. Very strong riders for, yeah. for Husky. That would be. That'd be a hell of a paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> that'd be a hell of a salary that those yeah. guys would have to write yeah. out. Um, well, uh, well, remember, see, they've got. When you have Taddy Blazuziak and, and uh, Taylor Robert, they're not really struggling on the factory KTM side. So it's the same thing we're saying. You could have four KTM good riders or two riders on each brand that are really good. So maybe that's where it'll be. Yeah, that's yeah, where it'll out. I haven't heard it. Have you heard yeah. anything about Taddy Blazuziak coming back this year? I, I don't. I mean, I think he is, but I haven't. Like, I guess I haven't seen it confirmed anywhere. Yeah, that is a good question. At the last Enduro Cup, it was very strange where he said he was making it clear that he did not have his deal signed yet. Yeah. Um, but what makes his deal hard to figure out is he's actually, I think he's actually employed through KTM Europe. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's right yeah. for the team here. Yeah, his deal's a lot different. He even has different parts on his bike. Like, I think he runs a Kropovich exhaust or something like that, and everybody else's FMS got his own spot. He doesn't run the KTM gear. He runs Fox gear. So... I think that complicates things. I'm hoping that's the only issue, that it's just because he has a totally different contract and totally different bosses, and that's all. Um, he sure doesn't seem like he wants to be done. It wasn't like when he handed over the title, he was he he wasn't too happy about losing it. Let's put it yeah. that way. I think he wanted to Yeah, I don't think he wants to go out that way. Oh, yeah. I was uh, not in uh, California when he lost this year, but I was in California the year before that in Las Vegas when he won. And I can say that that him and his friends can put down some shots. I don't know what they were shots of, but they were doing a lot of shots. <laughs> that was actually, I think that we was uh, it clear. What's that? Yeah, it was clear. Yeah, was it all clear? That's what I. That's what I was told. Even uh, some of the other European guys say the shots are clear. Whatever it is, it has to be clear liquor. So that can be vodka or use your imagination. But it's usually pretty hardcore. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess when you start getting into the colored stuff, you start adding too much sugar, and that just means extra hangover, right? Isn't that what... <laughs> yeah, yeah, they got some technique. <laughs> Maybe that's it. 
<laughs> there, it's actually all water. We just think they're a bunch of badasses and they're just doing shots of water. They have everybody fooled. <laughs> Man, they had it fooled the whole damn time. Well, um, yeah, and it's going to be cool too. I wonder, do you do we know if the Ryan Sipes kind of factory or factory Husky supported deal, Rockstar, all that stuff, is he kind of specifically also going to be a fill-in in case anybody were to get hurt for motocross, or is he going to be a rider for them off, you know, for motocross, opposed, you know, instead of just you know, since off road will be on break. Yeah, I think that was a, just a, uh, a marriage of convenience for both. That's the team that he rode for in motocross, so they like him. And they needed some guys to ride. So I think it just worked out. I don't think it was supposed to be in the card in the first place. And I don't think it's supposed to be in the card again. That just kind of worked out. Right. And Ryan said that it was actually, it was really tough to make that motocross deal happen, you know, happen the summer we just passed. Because a lot of his sponsors actually didn't line up. The most important thing was the gear sponsor. He, he had a good amount of money coming in from MSR. The team was not an MSR team. MSR doesn't even do motocross at all now. So, and they had to figure out, they let him put his GNCC graphics on their motocross bike so he wouldn't violate any of the contract deals he had. So, I'm sure it's a little bit closer now that he's, you know, Husky and Rockstar and so are they, but I don't think that's supposed to be um, part of the deal. I mean, maybe they'll give him a phone call if a bunch of dudes get hurt again, but I wouldn't count on it. Right. Yeah, I, I had a lot of people, you know, talking about that, and I was just like, I don't know, I think they would have said something. Like, if if that was kind of the plan, yeah, you know, they would have kind of thrown it in there because that that would have seemed like a cool talking point to put in a press release that you know if that was the plan to have them in there to have them do that when uh, yeah. GNCC is on break. But um, yeah, so it was interesting. You to, know, I think as fans, we always think it's awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think as fans, we always think those types of deals are awesome. I think sponsors just get scared that the dude's going to get hurt. So <laughs> yeah. We look at it as a bonus, and they look at it as, a, "Are you serious?" Yeah. yeah, I want you to finish the series we're paying you to do. Damn it! That's why. Uh, that's probably why. Uh, yeah, that's why Mathis gets so upset with Zach Osborne. <laughs> and and Zach, I mean, man, he went over and even raced ISBE. Oh um, shit, that was awesome. Which, I mean, he, yeah, he bad I bad mean, bad first that's day. A pretty but, hey. big ass. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty big ass for a team to be like, listen, man, I gotta go. Because what are they over there for two weeks? Yep. Overall, yeah. I think total. Yep. So that's a big ask, you know, for a team when you're probably supposed to be supercross testing at that point. That's almost as far removed from supercross riding as you can get. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was cool. That the team he was on was um, was letting that happen. But I don't I don't know if he'll be back. Yeah, it'd be cool if he was back, and I know that he wants to. You know, I did get a chance to talk to him. He helped us out a lot with giving us some quotes and some imagery and stuff like that for the the KTM tribute or the Kirk Caselli tribute that we did, the photo epic on the Seat Time website. And he was like, "Dude, if I can be back, I'm going to be back." But yeah, I would, I'd kind of wonder if that's going to be hard pressed to make that happen in the future again. Yeah, and it's again ironic because now he's on Husqvarna, so you would think this is a more perfect marriage with the off-road side. Yeah, but like I said, the, the individual team often saying, "Listen, we're investing a lot in you, uh, and if you get hurt in an event that has nothing to do with us, that's really not good." So <laughs> yeah, it really is yeah, surprising. Yeah, only happen in emergency circumstances. Yeah, yeah. Um. A little bit of the car talk, and we can let you go for the evening. So, I mean, you, you do this. It, it's been interesting watching all this. We've seen all kinds of people get hullabub and upset about the fact that maybe, you know, some contrary decisions, uh, 
about the fact of putting everybody through the fault the the salt flats with all the water so all the electronics that were going crazy they're like a lot of bikes didn't even finish a lot of riders quit um with their with a working bike i mean we saw mark coma get you know a, a fifth overall win toby price rookie of the year uh getting third leia sands doing awesome so i mean we saw some really cool stuff happen at the car and then they they have to the kill the last day. yeah so i mean it was it was pretty interesting yeah, you know, I know that the, the bike reliability is going to be what people talk about from this one because it did cost. Uh, it might have changed the entire event, just that one stage, like you said, with the salt or just ruined some of the bikes. And it almost ruined comas also. He just had it less bad, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was bad for everyone. Yeah. But what blew my mind was um, I was talking to some KTM guys this weekend about it, and they downsized those car bikes a long time ago. They're now 450. And, uh, you know, they're basically – you know, the 450, you know, in the case of what we're used to, 450 XDF motors right. inside those things. And, you know, they run the entire event, they're supposed to at least, on one motor. If you change it, you get a huge penalty. So the goal is for that motor to go the whole way. And it's really interesting because people still talk about four strokes. You know, they break and they're not reliable and they're too expensive to fix because you blow one up. If you, if you run, run right, if you ride it correctly, you maintain it correctly, and you don't go insane on engine mods to extract every last ounce of power. Four strokes are really reliable, and that yeah. rate totally shows it. I mean, so you've got your same old 450 motor that they can have. Those bikes are so heavy, and the conditions are so nasty, and they run one motor the whole time. They don't have time to change pistons in those things. They just go. It's really impressive to me. It's too bad that one stage makes them all look like garbage because... <laughs> Those are extreme circumstances on one particular day. Yeah, it's um, it, it's a really good point because in the Dakar, which is, I think where like say when Kirk Caselli did it in 2013, a lot of people didn't expect him to do as well as he did, even winning a stage. Toby Price doing as well as he did this past year. You know, we know those guys can ride fast in the desert, and, and obviously in other places as well. But the desert is where they can really ride fast. But it's the navigation that comes along with riding a rally that's so difficult, especially to do it well, to do, to learn quickly, and then to be fast as well on the bike. And I think that that's where you can kind of say, cool, I don't need to worry about the bike needing to be as fast. I need to be the best navigator I can be, and then I'm going to ride the bike at 90% the whole time and just kind of like hopefully the bike makes it. And, and, and it should at that, to your point, where... They're not putting all these mods in. The guys aren't riding it, you know, literally to the rev limiter. Um, and so I think that, you know, it's just crazy to see those guys just doing so well and not needing to wrap the bikes out, you know? Yeah, it's about being smart and fast, not just being as fast as you can go. I think that's why I sucked at it. <laughs> I'm not fast and I'm not the smartest. Neither? Yeah, it's neither. <laughs> don't have both, don't have neither. <laughs> have you had a chance to do any kind of uh, rally racing, any kind of navigation style events, Mr. Weege? No, no. I feel like I've ridden in those conditions at times, but I never had, this is the closest I had to rally navigation. I once went on, and you guys have probably done something crazy like this. I once went to the Dominican Republic and did like a lap of the island, one of these weird riding adventures I think you can do it in Costa Rica you like a red scooter <laughs> moped dude so they they just had whatever the heck bikes they had I remember I had a YZ250F and these are the early days it's like a, maybe a 2002 
Um, so forget it. If you stalled, you're just done. It was never going to start. <laughs> yep. it was, I didn't even have the headlights. And we were riding out in the street probably half the time. And I'm like, what is the law on this? And they're like, well, it doesn't say anything about motorcycles either way. So that means any motorcycle is legal because it doesn't say that they're not legal. So that doesn't mean they are. So I don't really have any laws. I'm following these poor guys. And it's like, dude, if I crash and leave, leave uh, lose the pack here, I will just die. So I've got nothing. I don't have a map. I can't speak the language. There's no GPS. Just gonna die. And these tour guides, they're just the local, like, hair scramble hotshot guys. Like, they don't want to ride slow. They don't want to ride sweet. They just want to pin it on trails they already know. It was, it was scary. That sounds awesome. Like the next seat time adventure. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Weege, you need to make that happen this year. Racer X and seat time go back to the Dominican Republic to relive the Weege tour. Uh, I recommend it to anyone. As long as you don't die, it's time of your life. It's a success. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, how you, that's how you rate success on that trip. Yeah, you don't you die. survived. If you don't die, I didn't die. And there were many times I thought I would. And when I got back and I was still alive, I was like, wow, it doesn't get much better than that. So but could you imagine just I think, like uh, the... Go ahead. Uh, there's a there's a tra- I don't know if the Dominican thing even happens anymore. With how well it's run, I wouldn't be surprised if it's long gone. But the Costa Rica trip I heard is actually pretty awesome. So folks can maybe look into that. Oh, maybe Costa Rica. It's just like imagine like the average just like trail rider guy, you know, not that fast, get, wants to go and do that, thinking you know he's gonna survive I think, this. I think they're actually talking about Weege. <laughs> uh, I. Yeah, dude, I'm not very good. Like, that was a serious problem. <laughs> I guess I was giving you more credit than Brian wants to give you, but I mean, I mean I've even I just beat him like... on a rower. So, I mean, come on. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's All right, right. never mind. Yeah, and I was a lot worse then than I am now. Like, I don't, again, I don't know how <laughs> So, the chances are good for us, then. That's what you're saying. Yeah, you'll hang in there, no problem. <laughs> I'm just going to follow Jordan. Uh, that might be like, a hey, bad get, idea. Get up, get up there and hot rod this thing. My uh, biggest fault has always been my line choices, so hmm. if I get stuck out there and you're following me, the rest of the pack's that's probably gone. I'm following you to go not where you go. <laughs> well, that's smart. Suck it. Get over it. Figure <laughs> it out. So, uh, what, what else? What other kinds of things about the car kind of did you, did pique your interest? I know it's... It's tough to pay attention to all two weeks. I'll say that, and I know I'll probably get flack for it, but it's just an honest, you know, fact. You know, sometimes kids are screaming. I know I've got a young baby. You've got even a younger baby. I've got a wife who's taking care of the younger baby, so I'm trying to shut the wife up and shut the baby. I'm just kidding. But it's like <laughs> it's tough two weeks, you know, to stay attention to that kind of stuff. But yeah, what what other kind of bits caught your attention? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll even reveal my secret. The only reason I was able to uh, pay attention as closely as I did was because um, I'm getting a variety of gigs with, with NBC Sports. That's who I do the motocross stuff for. Right. And they are keep expanding their motorsports coverage. So I'm trying to keep on top of everything they cover that could potentially be thrown my way at some point. And you probably wouldn't be surprised to hear that. I don't think most of their announcers are dying to – do the two straight weeks of coverage of the car in the middle of January. Um, <laughs> you don't do it there. You do it like you're just in their studio in Connecticut, just glued to this thing all the time. So who knows? That could be a gig up for grabs someday down the line. And so I try to pay attention just in case I get the phone call. So, yeah, it's hard to follow if you don't have uh, that kind of motivation. <laughs> yeah, Possible money slash income is a big motivator for, for the weed from what I hear. 
Yeah, well, you're just trying to get your foot in the door. So you're like, okay, they cover IndyCar racing. I better pay attention to that. They covered the car. I better pay attention to that, just in case. What I learned, by the way, about the event was, um, the, and I think this is what has helped guys like uh, Kurt, who was able to adapt pretty quickly to Toby Price. They said the bikes have changed so much from the days where they were, I don't know what they were. They like 900 twin cylinders or something in like the glory days. Something, something ridiculous. Um, now they're 450s, and they've also slimmed them down. They said the old bikes were so gigantic with the gas tanks and the route chart and all this stuff in the front that you literally couldn't even see. Like, like you couldn't go into a rut and actually figure out what you were doing. Because it was like, I guess it'd be like riding a quad. You couldn't see anything. Like, just you just saw giant gas tanks in front of you if you tried to look down and see what you were doing. So now the bikes are a lot more like riding a regular dirt bike where you can actually see over the front fender and figure out what the heck you're about to hit. Right. Um, and follow a line and follow ruts. So they say it's actually made it, I guess, a lot easier for those types of guys. Because, again, what kind of experience? Obviously, Toby Price had not done much TTS work, I'm sure, at all. Right. But those bikes, they have, I don't know what the liter to gallon conversion is. But they must have a hundred pounds of gasoline on these bikes. A shit ton. For starters. I think it's a metric yeah. shit ton. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. That's so pretty legit. I actually read that. that. <laughs> I think I, I think I read that in Racer X. Yeah. Yeah, we. No one's gonna question that. We're gonna recalculate that for us. No. We'll take your word for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just uh, it's it's really impressive of. I rode when I did the Baja Rally, so I did the, the kind of the rally raid style race this past year. Um, I took a two thousand oh, cool. a two thousand five four fifty EXC um, and kind of rallied it out. But even that quote unquote new of a bike, I couldn't get a gas tank that was less than six point six gallons for it. So I mean, oh. when you sat down, it's like you were in stirrups getting ready for like a vaginal check from a gynecologist, <laughs> like. It was it was the most uncomfortable thing. There was no like, oh cool, I'm gonna sit down and ride. Like it was all <laughs> like you're either standing and leaning all over the bike or you're seated and you're just and if you wanted to even try to get your weight forward, you're just like literally like just completely spread eagle just to get around this gas tank. So I can even imagine if you were to go earlier than that and trying to fit these huge ass gas tanks before, you know, you know, ergonomics of a bike before people gave a shit about that, that it would be uh, be pretty tough to, to fit. <laughs> wow. How did that Baja rally work? Like, what is it? what do they do? Do they give you, like, coordinates and just say, here's where we, here, follow the pin, get there? How does that even work? <laughs> it's, it's, it's too, from what I understand from the training that I did with the, the guy, the like, with Dave Peckham and the rally management services guys, to then what I do know about Dakar, it, it's an official rally raid style race. So you get a road book the night before, and you it's essentially like they give it to you with X amount of time to go through it. So then after you have the meeting and they kind of warn you of all the, the very important things, like check this out or we got to make these kind of updates, you go back and then you read through that road book and you highlight and you make notes in the way that you kind of like to notate to yourself of things that are be coming up. And then the next day, I mean, that's what you ride. You ride your road book. Um, and you have a GPS, uh, a heady, uh, you have a GPS just as a just in case. So they do give you a couple waypoints. Like if you were to ever get lost, uh, that you could, 
you know, stick in a waypoint to head to. And then they also have hidden waypoints. So that's how they kind of make sure that you stay on track. And then in some of the towns, because of the fact that they didn't want us speeding through there, they use the GPS to track our speed. So they go back through the GPS because the, you know, they have it so it uh, track, uh, keeps your tracks. It's like a breadcrumb, I think. Um, and they follow those breadcrumbs and check those sections. And it was super legit. It was really cool. And to watch Skype, Scott Bright win was was pretty pretty awesome. I did the last day on a 1986 SP 200. What the heck? Yeah. So my 450 <laughs> blew up after about three hours on a highway transition, um, and. Uh, huh. So that was cool. So my second day was over there. My third day was just support, hanging out, goofing off. But my dad had brought his pit bike, as he liked to call it, which is his 1986 SP200 dual sport. And a bunch of guys were joking. They were like, ah, you should finish on that. And I was like, ah, you're crazy. But on the drive on the third day, I asked my dad, I was like, so what do you think? And he goes, I was just about to ask you the same thing. I was like, well, how about this? If we can get the rally equipment on it and working, I'll ride it. And he's like, okay. So we spent... I don't know, six, eight hours prepping this SP200. And I say prepping because, like, the air filter came apart in my hand. <laughs> I tried to clean the air filter, and so I took the KTM air filter and cut it and molded it and glued it onto the air filter basket just so I could have a clean air filter. Uh, my dad did a valve job on this thing that hadn't probably been done in 20 years. And then uh, we ran the roadbook off of, you know, the little DJI Phantoms? We yep. we used that to power the roadbook because the battery wasn't strong enough. <laughs> Mind you, this, yeah, well, this, thing, this thing... I don't even understand what this thing is. What is the roadbook? It's a route chart on steroids so remember back in the day when we had route charge for enduros but it was like it gave you all yeah. the possibles and it you know it told you what your mile per hour is you know when you need to when you know all that kinds of stuff it's that on steroids yep. because it's not just your route chart it's also your trail it's literally your navigation so Jeez. yeah so you think about the the guys like uh you know travis pastrana does a lot of the rally car racing well he's the driver batshit crazy go as fast as you can and the guy on the right is his navigator he's the guy who's telling the batshit crazy guy when to slow down you're gonna fade right fade left hard left hard all that kinds of shit well those two people are one and you are that person i just got the sickest idea me and cooper are pretty wicked tandem riders mm-hmm you have your nav guy on the back. A whole or in new your class. case, a little tiny like bump of a person. <laughs> Me, yeah. <laughs> and they're back there, you know, giving you your navigation. You're just hauling, hauling balls. Well, so you're saying that we should get side carts? Yes. <laughs> side cart rallies. <laughs> I mean, we're good, both of us on the bike, like pretty wicked fast, but that could be a whole new new class in the rally racing. I think you just want to get in a quad if you're going to go that way. No, might no, be safer. no. You just like risk equals reward. Yeah, uh, Weege, I've got a couple write-ups that I did and a couple videos and stuff that we put together. After that, I'll send that to you because honestly, if, if you did, if you didn't really get a chance to catch up on most of it, uh, I think the the writing that I did on it's pretty good. You know, I'm not going to say that it's awesome <laughs> because it is me. It's a this ego thing, you know. But uh, it'll give you a good a good uh, a good standpoint on it, and the time lapse is hilarious because yeah. we, we did a time lapse of actually building the SP, so it's uh-huh. it's pretty. Uh, Do you get to see the like pretty filter, classic? Just, yeah. Like, uh, turn to 
No, but I think I have a picture on my phone somewhere, so I can get all that out there still for sure. Yeah, no, it was fun. It was awesome. And uh, Baja Rally 3.0 dates have been put out. So I would imagine BajaRallyMoto.com is the URL, especially if anybody else is interested in it. Um, I am very interested in doing it again. But as I was telling a lot of uh, my cohorts here, that unfortunately it's just time is the big – it's like – you, if you know there's no time, you know there's no way to figure out the financials. If you think there's time, you'll probably try to figure out the financials. Yeah, so it's like, it there's a lot of shit going on. <laughs> but I think you should totally do it, yeah. Weeds. You've lived through Costa Rica, it sounds like. I mean, you got this. Yeah, uh, I didn't realize that, um, you know, that was experience. It was life experience, literally. I didn't know it would come ahead. <laughs> we had no... Uh, what'd you call it? Roadmap, road chart, uh, none of that. Roadbook. Follow the guy. So Don't see, get lost. They're like ahead of you, so you're just like you're already ultra prepared. Well, you, you know, enduros, that's always the way the, the super way to cheat when you're a newbie, right? You just get behind a guy and he's just like, Well just follow me and you won't be early and you won't be late. So that's what I would do it. Yeah. That's yeah, that's pretty yeah. much how it works. So <laughs> Yeah, I think this rally thing, by the way, you know adventure riding is obviously taking you know, there's something to all this these really long distance events and mixing in some road with dirt because there's less trails to find um seems like something that's uh starting to catch on i think oh dude there i've already gotten messages people asking me hey what would you think about a uh you know a, a, a rally a rally raid style rally race in the in the states and i was like absolutely bring it that would be fantastic uh the biggest thing the big the hardest part is putting i think the effort that gets put into it because in texas it's all private land but then of course you've got all these people trekking across the country to go do i, I just i think that's what the biggest thing that people are worried about is the logistics um you know but hell somebody put one on in baja you know what i mean like i would imagine at some point they were worried about logistics so it, it build it and they will come right isn't that what they say yeah, uh, I guess there's less worry about logistics in Baja, though. I'll give it that. <laughs> That's true. That's true. The laws may be a little lax. Yeah, I would be a little worried about, like, rolling through Wyoming and you get on someone's land. And, I mean, they, I don't know what the laws are up there, but I'm pretty sure, I mean, they can just shoot you. So. Yeah, well, they could definitely shoot your ass in Mexico. Yeah. Nobody would find your ass. No. The, the good thing is, is while I was in Mexico, I didn't accidentally walk into a brothel. That's a win. Yeah, because in Germany I did that. So. <laughs> Whoops. Well, all right. We're going to let you go, but we, before we do, we have to say, what's coming up, man? What are you excited about for 2015, just in general? Uh, well, for starters, I'm going riding tomorrow. Yes. So that's uh, what I'm most looking forward to of all. Yeah. Yeah, I've actually gotten pretty lucky where, um, you know, I live in North Carolina now, and that's kind of a little mecca for all these guys in TNCC. Uh, so actually, every Wednesday, I'm hooking up with Shane Watson. We got some trails that they put together for some of the riding schools. So I'm just tagging along and not and not paying. You know, he made the trails to the schools, and then I just go and ride. He just thinks you're uh, going to talk about him then, in uh, your magazine. Yeah, yeah. Well, I already screwed him over because I did the school like two years ago uh, to write a story on, and I just never did. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do anything for him. Thanks, I'm out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I don't understand why, like a few months ago, he's like, hey, man, we've been starting to ride every Wednesday. You want to come out? I don't know why. You're like, oh, why. we're still friends? You, you should not even speak to me at this point. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's actually the most fun. But for work purposes, uh, yeah, I still go to all the Supercrosses. Um, and this uh, this last one we just had this weekend was pretty nuts. So 
Um, that's don't quit your day job. The most important thing is to go to these races and cover them. Talk to other riders, not be the rider. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lawn dart. <laughs> shit got crazy. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, uh, do you know if you're going to be at Dallas? Are you going to be able to be at Dallas, or do you have other prior engagements to that? Uh, already, race? already got my my flight booked. Heck yeah, I'll be at Dallas. All right. Well, we'll be there. Um, I am going to actually. Okay. My dad and I are actually doing the BTO Sports VIP program. I don't know if they're going to have riders, no. but. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're they're dropping quickly. Oh, are you serious? So you're going to be hanging out with JCP the whole time? Yeah, Jason. Yep, yeah. I've already warned him. I'll be like, dude, I talk a lot. <laughs> so, oh, this is going to be great. There's um, we don't discuss it on the outside, but as you would imagine, he's done this for two years or so. Right. There are definitely some all-time legends of weird VIPs. Uh, so we'll see if you can if you can make that <laughs> challenge accepted. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm just deciding whether, because I'm not going to lie, when I typically go to the Supercross, I don't like to pay for alcohol, but I do enjoy alcohol, so I always find a way to have an extra pair of pants on that happen to hold alcohol. Um, you know, you wear boxers and the briefs, and your briefs are your luggage for your alcohol. And uh, so I can't decide if I like want to go to the BTO Sport VIP, Pro P- VIP program and be the typical Brian that goes to Supercross or be the not typical Brian, which means I can actually walk and talk by the end of the <laughs> evening. So I don't know, but it'll be, it'll be my dad and I. I like so. to see you try to do both, really. That's what I'm rooting for. So <laughs> you, you vote for, let's see what happens. Let's let's just roll the dice. <laughs> we should just like yeah. put a poll on. Yeah, Hashtag. drink like you normally do, but try to follow the VIP program still. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll I'll do that. I'll be like, just took a shot. Oh, JT wants me to go do something. Fuck that guy. It'll all be on yeah. Twitter. It'll all be on Twitter. <laughs> oh man, this this could be super. I'm really happy. It's now, already going like, downhill quickly. My, uh, I need to adjust my schedule to get in on one of these Yamaha rides, huh? Yes. Oh yeah. Come in. Uh, let's uh, let let me verify with Jason Rains uh, that that Friday is is gonna happen. And then, yeah, that way I'll let him know that you're going to be there, too. And uh, just, yeah, well, that way. Uh, it's at Trophy Club, so it shouldn't be a problem. That's right by our house. Where is this at? Uh, Trophy Club. Tell him where Trophy right Club Right by my is. house. No, he does kidding. not know where you live. <laughs> I was kidding. Uh, Don't I'm not tell good everybody where you live. Just tell him where Trophy Club is. Do, do, do. Uh, North Fort Worth. You know where Fort Worth okay. is? That's, that's certainly in the neighborhood. Okay, yeah, it's, not, it's really not far at all from the stadium. 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah, we'll work that out, and then uh, that way we can let Jordan Bailey show you up, Weege. Whoop whoop. I uh, I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, don't don't expect yeah, much. She could has some, she has some really cool shit that she could uh, that she could show you like how to pick up a bike sideways. That's what is it? about my fame, right yeah. there. She, just, what was it? Dirt rider. Dirt, dirt rider. Bike? Dirt, wait, dirt rider. Yep. And how you to were pick Jordan Milbauer then, right? Like a girl I was. Jordan Milbauer, Dirt Rider. Yeah, so go search that. Dirt Rider, Jordan. Everyone's going to spell my name wrong. But, yeah, so picking up your bike with Jordan Milbauer. That's what you want to go find, Weege, and she'll teach you all kinds of tips (laughs) and tricks. Uh, I end up having to pick the bike up quite a bit, so this is really going to come in handy. It is, actually. It's extremely... (laughs) I'll just go ahead and text it to you as well. (laughs) (laughs) We'll just make sure you're totally ready to go. I'll well, affect right. your uh, your style there in Trophy Club if you're picking it up wrong. 
Yeah, we'll definitely <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely technique. take pictures and tweet. And, yeah, we'll let Jordan adjust your technique. I like it. That's good. That's good. Yeah, there you are, face down in the dirt. Look at you. <laughs> That's where everybody sees me. Awesome. That's horrible. All right. Well, Jason, we as always, we really appreciate you being on the show. It's always fun, and and as always, we talk for way longer than we expect. I apologize for that, but no, it was it was great, very humorous, and of course. Your, your knowledge is legendary, and we appreciate you bringing it to the couch uh, of seed time. I wish you guys could see my email inbox right now to see the amount of your Skype details, password change, login alert, and all these attempts I've made to make Skype work. I've been clicking this whole time. So this is an hour now. Still no success. Uh, you're, you're actually, Don't buy stock in Skype. You're just are washing all your underwear and didn't want to come on the show naked, right? <laughs> It is a little intimidating, there's no doubt, being like, oh, man, I, plus I work from home most of the time. I'm not used to ever have, having to look like pretty much anything. <laughs> was that the only thing this week I had to get dressed up for? I don't know. You got pretty dressed up for that selfie you took with your baby. Maybe that was uh, last week. I did, did, I, did I do that? Oh, well, no, that's <laughs> glasses. That's actually less dressed. That's like, I'm not putting the effort to bring contact today. Let's not, let's not fool ourselves. I like it. You're a good man. <laughs> well, hell yeah, dude. We'll keep doing what you're doing, and we'll uh, keep trying to have fun with you. Is that okay? At the very least, I'll see you in Dallas. Looking forward to that. Damn straight, buddy. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. We'll chat soon. All right. Thanks, gang. See ya. Um, so hell yeah. Jason Wagon. That was a good time. I love it because Jason Wagon isn't just extremely knowledgeable. He's also extremely funny. Yeah. Like, he finds... He finds a lot of things that I find humorous humorous, so he laughs well at the <laughs> stuff that I laugh with, and then at the same time, because of that, he will bring back some of the yeah. same humor that's going to make you know that's someone fun. like myself laugh. Yeah, so makes it easier to talk to. Yeah, and just like Mr. Serious Knowledge Guy. Yeah, and for for being in the position that he's in, in the sense of like you know online editor, Racer X Online, all that kinds of stuff, like he's he's easily approachable uh, and down to earth, all that kind. Yeah, of stuff. Yeah, it's really so, awesome. Like someone that. I mean, I've known that name forever, and he just gets on Seat Time and hangs out and chats. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't come on Skype on Seat Time. Like, all the writers figure it out, but Jason <laughs> Wyatt can't figure it out. <laughs> right, Stephen? <laughs> right, right. Well, everybody, uh, definitely please go. If you if you weren't in the chat room, we dropped all the links there. I'll put them up on the site uh, tomorrow just so everybody can see them into the show notes. So definitely they were on Verb Moto. That, I didn't want to throw that name around while he was yeah, on. I don't I know mean... if that's good, bad, or indifferent. <laughs> but I'm going to send those links to him regardless. So Verb Moto, you can look for Woody's uh, Woody Navigates the Baja Rally. Uh, we do have the time lapse out there as well. I put that in there. Of course, go to Dirt, Dirt Rider and search for Jordan Milbauer, M-I-L-B-A-U-E-R. That was before she was Miss Bailey. And she will teach you how to pick up your motorcycle. <laughs> it's actually a really useful trick. I, you it's know a who great that article. Trick? Jordan Ashburn. Yeah, I know. But before he had, before he started crossfitting and had muscles? Well, no. He was just like, you know, you look like you're really struggling. <laughs> Can I teach you something? That's how that went. I was Were like, you already with Cooper at the time? Yeah. Like, me, and me and Cooper have been together forever, so. Stop. 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 It's been a long time. I didn't know if Jordan was like, let me show you how to pick up a No, bike. no. Yeah. How's it going? Hey. That, what, no one can hear what he's saying, but he's being mean. <laughs> and I'm not repeating it. Yeah, that guy. It's that an guy. awesome article. Go check it out. Yeah. Mm. yeah. All right. Well, big time thank you to Fly Racing for being uh, our 
title sponsor for this year. Super, super appreciative of that. Of course, the guys over at Stillwell Performance. Go check them out, stillwellperformance.com. And Fast Company. Mm-hmm. You want to go check out their Flex Bars. Yes. Because Flex Bars are awesome. I really do like my Flex Bars. Yeah, they really are actually my super My dad awesome. even gave me crap last week when he was on the show. He's like, wait, you were supposed to get me a pair of Flex Bars. And I was <laughs> he like, just like called you out. Whoops. Uh... Like, and not like, hey, you were supposed to get me a free pair. Just like, hey, you were supposed to call and order me some. Like, and I didn't. No, oh, bad son. So, oh, thank you to everyone who gave comments and feedback on my dad being on the show. It was he. He liked coming and talking and stuff like that. And he, the whole time, he was just like, "I really hope that what I said was useful to your viewers and listeners, oh. and that it resonated well." And I was like, "No, I was like, everybody had really good comments and everything, and really enjoyed what you had to say." So I just say thank you, everybody, for being so appreciative for my dad and, and for ha- you know when we had. Well, I like to have him on the show for that reason. You know, and it's neat because he brings, uh, you know, that 30 years of knowledge from before my life. So you could say 40 to 45 years because I probably didn't really pick up anything that's worth talking about until <laughs> I was about 15, maybe last year. Uh, so, you know, he's got obviously a lot of years on me, and, and it's a lot of years where there was a lot of crazy stuff going on in the sport, you know, and, yeah. there's still, and there still is so much growth, but there was a ton of growth back then, too, so... Yeah, it's super He awesome. brings that kind of education to the table that I just can't even talk to. Right. Yeah, so. definitely. Good stuff. Uh, so what's next for you? More school? School. Got an awesome semester ahead of me. Yay. And seat um, time. Yeah, and seat time. I'll be on here more regular. And uh, hopefully doing the National Enduro. I think we signed up for the National Enduro here nice. in Texas. So that'll what, be sweet. What row? I don't know. A friend signed us up. Oh. I hope. Um, does that mean if you don't get signed up, then you're like, oh, I don't know, our friend didn't sign us up. <laughs> I'll be there supporting. <laughs> oh, suck. That's, that's horrible. Oh, but really, I think we are signed up. I don't know, though. We never accidentally made sure. But All right. Well, I signed up. I signed up for row 24. 24. That's so we'll a good see. route. See. I figured I did really good with Rick chasing him the whole time. Yeah. And so typically the way I see it, a lot of the pro riders typically have like an A rider, a really good A rider that try that that you know kind of pulls them, in. Yeah. So I figure that I might be able to be kind of that second A rider that's trying to pull oh, up. I thought you were gonna first say like that, that C rider that kinda hangs on to the B rider that's hanging on to the B. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It'll be that guy by the end of the day, that's for sure. <laughs> That'll be me. But I did such I did I had so much fun like riding behind Rick mm-hmm. at the the race we did there. Yeah. And I was like, I, I, I might as well just get on somebody that I can try. It really try does it. make it more fun. three turns, you know, it'll still be good. So. It's a it's a drive to try to ride with the faster yeah. person. I mean, I have no aspiration of keeping up with the pro on the road. But that's why I'm hoping but, that there's kind of that, that yeah. A rider that's like Rick was. Rick was that A double A guy that's faster than me, but he's not a pro. Yeah, so, someone that you can still hang with that kind of yeah. hangs, you know. Yeah, I gotcha. We'll see how it goes. Maybe we could get your husband to be on my row, and then I hey. can try to chase his ass. Then y'all would probably just end up hurting each other, like, because y'all would take each other out or something. I don't oh. know. Not on purpose. I know, be, like, because battling, I know he's faster than me, so battle. even if he messed up, I'd still be like, come on, buddy, get up. I can't <laughs> do this without <laughs> you. <laughs> Hello, are you okay? All right, I got a question in the chat room if we're going to have seat time next week, same time. Actually, we are going to go back on a two-week break. It got a little weird. Obviously, there's five weeks in January, so we went back-to-back. Also, this was one of the nights that uh, Jason Wygant could be on the show. We are going to go back to kind of a two-week break, and we'll be back on that first week of February. I've got to check to see what's going on. I'm trying to get Dylan Green back on the show, but he as well has started school. And, of course, that numbskull scheduled an EMT class on Tuesday and Thursday night. (laughs) So I I was like, dude, I thought we were going to put it on seat time. He's like, well, I scheduled... I was like, don't even talk to me. See, I mean, 
favorite co-host over right? here. I know, right? I'm just kidding, Dylan. I you did an awesome up. job. Well, shut up, Dylan. So hopefully we can get him back on eventually, but honestly, yeah. you will be on as well. So, yeah, thank you very much for paying attention to Seat Time. We really appreciate it. Remember, Seat Time, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. Find us on YouTube. We're social like a bunch of mothers. It's all out there. Find us, follow us, friend us, tweet us. You could even hashtag us. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Hashtag us. We have a good time with it. All right. Remember, always enjoy a pint full of awesome. We will see you in two weeks. Let's start off February 2015 with a bang. Peace.